Victoria Kirby York is the Director of Public Policy and Programs for the National Black Justice Coalition, and she's here to give us her spin on our LGBTQ issues. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Charlotte. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us about the uh, National Black Justice Coalition. Certainly. The National Black Justice Coalition was founded in 2003. We're gearing up to celebrate our 20th anniversary uh, towards the end of this year. And we initially were founded in the aftermath of Massachusetts becoming the first state to offer marriage equality. There was a narrative going on out there that the black community uh, was more homophobic and, and hostile towards the LGBTQ community than others, and that black clergy were not supportive of our community. And we knew that that was not the case. And so our co-founders came together, and our very first event was a press conference highlighting clergy um, and members of the black community who were supportive of marriage equality and wanted to see marriage equality across the United States, um, and also included um, our co-founders who wanted to make sure that folks understood that there were people who were both Black and LGBTQ and that our stories were being erased in this narrative that really tried to pit the Black community against the LGBTQ plus community. And so we started out um, heavily focused on faith engagement, but have have really grown over the years to focus on broader civil rights protections, including um, health care protections and education, especially, and um, a number of other important areas, hate crime, really trying to do our part in addressing the epidemic of violence against Black transgender women in particular, and, you know, really see ourselves as doing the work of ending racism and anti-LGBTQ bias and stigma by doing our work in both racial justice movements and in the uh, broader LGBTQ equality movement. How did you become involved? So I first became involved with NBJC when I was in graduate school. Um, I'd written a piece in the Harvard Kennedy School of Government LGBT Policy Journal called The Black Closet, The Case for... LGBT resource centers on historically black college and university campuses. And NBJC was leveraging the research that I did and its work to make HBCU campuses more inclusive of our community. And I just finished serving a term um, as a student elected to Howard's Board of Trustees and was working in the university's presidents and communications offices and was brought into the NBJC family um, to continue uh, that work, but also as an emerging leader. So I attended a lot of their programming with the White House and in the community that was focused on um, helping to support, at the time, millennial generation, when we were the, the young folks in town, <laughs> and um, was one of their 100 to Watch members. In 2015, when we launched that listing, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to take everything that I've learned as a civil rights and electoral justice leader to be able to pour back into NBJC, the organization that poured so much into me as a young person. And that feels really good, especially as we're gearing up to provide the same kind of mentorship and support for this new generation 
of Black LGBTQ plus and same gender loving leaders. That was such a benefit to me. Tell us about the projects you're working on now at MBJC. We recently launched our federal public policy journal for the 118th congressional term. We're extremely excited about it. Uh, we approached this policy agenda a little differently than our, our past ones and that our pillars are, instead um, of being themed based on different areas of policy expertise, are themed based on different routes to engage with public policy. So it's much more focused on the members of our community being able to leverage it in their conversations with federal policymakers than it is essentially just a, a tool for federal policymakers to understand the needs of our community. And so the three pillars um, that we set up is one around awareness, which highlights the pieces of federal public policy that we believe have bipartisan support in Congress and that if we just give it enough push from the ground up, that they can make their way to President Biden's desk for signature. That includes legislation like the uh, repeal um, HIV Act, which would make HIV criminalization laws and have a process to help repeal HIV criminalization laws in states across the country that are really outdated and not based on current science. And then our second pillar on access is really about making sure members of our community know about the wonderful programs that were passed during the last Congress, things like the 988 National Suicide Hotline number, policies like uh, the Internet Affordability and Connectivity Program that the Biden-Harris administration implemented, that our seniors know that insulin is capped at $35 a month now. And there's a whole host of other programs like that that we have included in our policy agenda as an opportunity for folks to see how public policy directly impacts their life now and to make sure that we're taking advantage of programs that were created for us to take advantage of, right? And then finally, that last pillar around accountability highlights the public policy that we want to become law that are urgent uh, matters for our community but are not likely to pass under the current House leadership. And so a big piece of accountability is making sure that our community members are talking to their members of Congress and saying, if you don't support this, we're going to hold you accountable in November. And it's necessary that different candidates be supported to help make these bills law in a future Congress, that they're able to make those connections for themselves. And so we really want this policy agenda to serve as a 360-degree tool for people to understand how federal public policy is made and then the various ways that they can plug in. It also includes what we want the Biden-Harris administration to tackle next, as well as information about some of the big cases in the Supreme Court term. What would you like to see happen for our LGBTQ community in the uh, Biden-Harris administration? The Biden-Harris administration has already made some really tremendous gains with our community, but there's still um, more work to be done. There's a rule out right now that seeks to support transgender youth in schools, but more needs to be done to ensure that 
that includes participation in sports. And so right now we're encouraging members of our community to provide input to make sure that that rule also ensures that our young people um, aren't barred from recess, essentially, uh, and also from competitive sports in high school. And so, you know, that's something that, that we're really um, focused on. We also are paying close attention to the implementation of some of the bills that became law during the last term. One is the Jabara Hire um, and COVID-19 Hate Crime Act. There was uh, funding tied to those bills around uh, reporting of hate crimes uh, through local law enforcement and also training. And we want to make sure that those training and funds are trans-inclusive and inclusive of, of the LGBTQ plus community broadly and is also intersectional in looking at disparities when it comes to different racial and ethnic communities. This is really important to end the epidemic of violence facing Black transgender women across this country. It wasn't NBJC that named it an epidemic. It was the American Medical Association, right? And that was back when the number of deaths were a third of what they are now. And so implementation is really important and continuing to, to check in and being a part of the education of law enforcement, state attorneys, and other folks that are involved in the process, especially emergency medical services, which are often the folks who are the ones responsible for the initial dead naming or uh, misuse of, of gender and pronouns that lead to the huge number of unsolved cases that we have in this country. With LGBTQ teens already four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers after facing bullying incidents, what advice would you have for these kids, especially during these challenging times? Oh, that's such a great question. We know that one of the biggest contributors to LGBTQ youth not committing suicide and having a, a life of joy and the ability to seek opportunities to thrive is connected to affirmation and support. And so the main advice that I like to give to, to kids and our youth is to let them know that who they are is valid and loved if they come from communities of faith, that the creator made them knowing who they are wonderfully, and that they are loved by the Creator, just as they are loved by our community, that our youth, our future, and have so much to live for. What they're going through and experiencing at home and at school and in community may be painful experiences, but in a few years, they'll have the opportunity to be able to build a life that feels good and great for them. And sometimes it can be hard when you're going through the tunnel to believe that there's ever going to be a period where you're not in darkness. But as a person who lived with suicide ideation since I was four years old, the thing that has kept me going and kept me alive to see 36 and to see a whole lot of wonderful things happen in the world because I exist as a human being is remind myself that there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And as hard as it is to go through each day sometimes, especially when your environment isn't supportive of or affirming, is to remember to affirm yourself, to look in the mirror and to say, I am wonderful. I am loved. That's what we have to remember about ourselves, not what the world has to say about us or what these evil lawmakers in some of these states have to say, 
but we have to be clear about the positivity that we speak into ourselves. And starting your day with affirmations, it starts from the inside. And um, know that it is possible for people in your life to change. Everyone won't change. But as you continue to blossom and bloom, the good ones will begin to blossom and bloom with you. How can people get information about the uh, National Black Justice Coalition? People can get more information about the National Black Justice Coalition by visiting our website, www.ndjc.org, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at NBJC on the Move. Is there a question you wish people would ask you? I wish people would ask um, how they can get involved with NBJC. There are a few different ways people can get involved with NBJC. You can donate, definitely, by going to our website. There is a donate option that includes a bonfire store for folks who like shirts and merchandise, as well as opportunities to give um, whatever financial gifts that feel great to you. We appreciate all amounts. And to plug into some of our signature events. The next signature event that we have is our Legendary Elders Wisdom Awards and Tea on May 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern, which honors Black, LGBTQ plus uh, women um, and femme elders who are over the age of 55, who have been trailblazers, glass ceiling breakers, who really have paved the way for the advancements that we have in society today. We also have our James Baldwin Legacy Awards that take place in August, which honors uh, same-gender-loving and trans men um, and masculine uh, non-binary folks who are over the age of 55. Both awards are done with AARP and are virtual, so folks can participate and join in from wherever you are. We also have our annual Out on the Hill event that takes place during the Congressional Black Caucus Annual Legislative Conference and our annual Black Institute, which takes place during uh, the Creating Change Conference. We hope that folks will join us there and at any other events that you see us at in the community. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra to get you through these difficult times? Ooh, that's such a great question because I'm a big fan of quotes. And depending on each season, but right now... The musical theater lovers will love this answer. The sun will come out tomorrow, right? It's a line from the musical Annie, um, which is the first musical I fell in love with as a kid. And it is a reminder that no matter how dark the day is or how gloomy the season will be, that history has shown us that the arc of the universe moves in towards justice and the sun will come out tomorrow. The dark days will not always remain. We have to continue to fight and push through the day that we are in in order to see the other side. And so, yeah, that quote in particular, the, the sun will come out tomorrow. And Glorilla uh, has a rapper who has remixed it called Tomorrow Too. And uh, for the young folks out there, the hip-hop heads, that's a, a new a remake of that Annie song for today's time. So either way, whether you get it from Annie or from Tomorrow Too by Glorilla, that message still resonates with me. The sun will come out tomorrow.